Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. So, you'd like to believe in God, but you wonder. Did the people of Jesus' day and time hate paying taxes as much as people hate paying taxes today? Well, yes, my friend, you're absolutely right about that. They did, and for very good reason, they were taxed by their conquerors, their enemies, the Romans. We even have the name of the very first Roman governor of Judea to implement taxes. He was the Honorable Governor Nusimus Maximus related to our present-day California king. Oh, yes, he must. It's time for another edition of our King Newsome Update. His Royal Majesty and here to talk all about King Newsome and some new laws in California. Say hello again to Jim Barrier. <laughs> <laughs> Nuisimus Maximus. I'm still, <laughs> still chuckling over that. Well, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how you do it. Now, I I may be uniquely qualified tonight to talk about things. So we're going to talk about the exit taxes. Oh, well. because you exited uh, California yeah. before they came yeah. up with a stupid, idiotic well, exit tax? You're going to rub that well, in, Jim? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a billionaire, so it wouldn't affect me. But we're, we're going to, since I, I have lived half my life in San Diego and half my life in Texas, so I, I kind of understand both cultures and communities and the insanity that both have. Uh, yours is more you know, the political and the taxing thing and the nonsense that's going on. The insanity in the state of Texas is that football is a religion. <laughs> well, also part of the insanity of Texas is that if anybody wanted to suggest an exit tax or a mileage tax, they'd probably find that guy on the rotisserie instead of a stuffed pig at the next <laughs> Texas barbecue. Listen, that's another difference like between Texas and California. <laughs> They taste like chicken is what I'm told. Yeah. Well, you know my theory about that. Everything actually tastes yeah. the same. It's just the chicken was the very first thing anybody ever ate. Yeah. That's why everything tastes yeah. like chicken. Yeah, my take on that is, you know, I, I've eaten all kinds of things. They ate rattlesnake, you know, they said, well, a rattlesnake tastes like chicken, and alligator tastes like chicken, and armadillo tastes like chicken, and everything. All the things that I would never, ever want to eat taste like chicken. So why in the world would I eat chicken? So that's my, that's my thing. On well, it. and once uh, I've looked at it, I don't want to eat it no matter what it tastes like, although certainly we're conditioned. Lobster is my absolute favorite food, but I've been conditioned. If I was from another planet and somebody showed me one of those freaking lobsters and talked about well, eating yeah, it, yeah, yeah. that would probably be pretty freaky too. Well, it would be. And I, and I love lobster as well. I'll tell you what's weirder. And, and I acquired a taste for this because there's a couple that Leslie and I travel with a lot, and they got us onto this. They love raw oysters on the half shell. And I'm and, okay with oysters. Raw oysters? That doesn't sound too appetizing. Yeah, it's just the appetizer. But, you know, I, I thought about <laughs> yeah, it one time. We're eating these The things, unappetizing appetizer. Things. Yeah, it, it's kind of like having a bad cold. But, you know. I, <laughs> when, when they go, oh, try it. It's a delicacy. The word delicacy is just is. another word for disgusting. And if not for the word delicacy, you'd never try it in a million years. <laughs> well, you know, I, we're eating those things and it, and it hit me. I thought, 
who was the first guy that cracked one of those things open and said, you know, I'll bet this tastes good. <laughs> well, you know, the delicacy that the liberals want us to all have, Jim, is to start eating bugs and stop eating meat because somehow that will help with global warming. You know, it just all, it, it is insanity. And I have, eat, I, I ate a plate full of crickets in Oaxaca, Mexico. They're, now they're roasted with chili powder, so that's all you taste. And they're kind of crunchy, so it's kind of like eating chili cheese Fritos, only the little legs <laughs> yeah. get stuck between Except your teeth. that it's not chili cheese Fritos. You're eating a freaking cricket. Was his name Jiminy? Was he acting like your conscience, and that's why you ate him? Yeah, yeah. They're called Chapolinis, and it's true. No one on the team would even touch him, you know. And, and I said, I'll eat him. So one of the guys bought a plate. They bought it for me. They bring this nice plate full of this big pile of roasted crickets with guacamole and chips and and I'm eating about halfway through. I started singing, when you wish. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of Jimmy Cricket. He used to open the Mickey Mouse Club. Hey yeah. there, hi there, ho there. I'm crunchy as yeah. can be. Uh, crunchy as can be. There you go. Okay. Well, good night, Bob. It's been a great show. <laughs> well, Bye. insane as we sound, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we could not possibly be crazier than the people in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C., and the people across the globe sitting around coming up with these stupid regulations for us, regulations that they don't plan to follow, I should say. Do you think those people are going to turn away from meat? It'll be like Governor Newsom and his friends in the French laundry restaurant all over again, ignoring the masks because they know that the exact same laws that they pass for the peasants are laws that are so stupid that they wouldn't be caught dead following them themselves. It's for the riffraff. It's not for the upper class. It's not for the royalty. It sounds like a totalitarian state. That's because it is a totalitarian state. Silly me, yeah. The People's Republic of California. Yeah. Well, you know the old thing, think globally, act locally. So I want to start locally. Being a a third-generation native San Diegan, I'd like to talk about my home city, the place you live, San Diego, and the San Diego Association of Governments, which from here on out I will refer to as SANDAG. (laughs) Yeah, because it gets a little bit complicated in reading up on this. There's the mileage tax that they want to pass for the whole state, but then there's a different one in San Diego, and then one they recalled, and it wasn't going to pass, but they found a way to give it a back door. So anyway, it can be confusing. The more I study it, It the more confused I get. Why don't you unpack some of this for us, Jim? And Brendan, I know you've looked into this too, so feel free to chime in yourself too. Yeah. Well, there, there's like there's three parts to it. One is a half cent sales tax increase. Uh, now, what is sales tax right now? Out there, eight eight and three quarters or something. It's, oh, it's, I've it's stopped counting a long time ago. I just fill up my car yeah. and try not to think about it. <laughs> well, this is just sales tax. You know, just just plain sales tax. Gasoline, where you, I just I just filled up for under three dollars a gallon. What's Have you noticed they don't here? tax brains? <laughs> they go bankrupt. Actually, they wouldn't be afraid of taxing brains because none of them in Sacramento have any, so they wouldn't have to pay exactly. the brain tax. But same thing. But you pay a huge gas tax already, and that's why, you know, it doesn't cost any more to get gas. And they got that through yeah. because they made it look on the ballot like if you if you meant to vote yeah. against it, you were really voting for right. it. It's amazing the well, magic that, and sleight of hand that takes place on Election Day. Yeah, smoke and mirrors. That's one of the oldest tricks in the world. Use language where it means exactly the opposite of what you vote for. Because you already pay an enormous gas tax, but this is just sales tax, an extra half-cent sales tax. 
And then, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have a cough button like you do. <laughs> well, Jim, those are just the perks of hosting <laughs> your own show. So if you want to come into the studio sometime and do this the way the good I Lord intended it to be done. Actually, it's a blast <laughs> when you are in San Diego and you do come into the studio. Yeah. And the next time I'm out there, we'll try to arrange that. Of course, we only have a cough button on my side of the table, even when you are in here. But that's okay, Jim. <laughs> we just won't even talk much about that. Uh, okay. So there's a sales tax, because I'm sure everyone would love to pay more sales tax than they're already paying. And then there's over 800 miles of San Diego County freeway lanes that are going to be converted to toll lanes. And so that's another way they're going to get money. I remember, I remember when C. Arnold Smith built that Coronado Bridge. That, that's a name I don't know if many people are familiar with anymore. Well, we're familiar with the Coronado Bridge. I was not familiar with the name yeah. of the guy that built the bridge. He was a big developer and everything. It had something to do with the Padres when they first went pro and stuff. But he built that bridge, and it was a toll bridge. It was supposed to only be a toll bridge for a couple of years or until they paid it off. Well, they paid it off, and they kept charging. And eventually, they only charged one direction. And now you can go across the bridge. Yeah, now they don't charge at all. Yeah, But for years, they kept gouging people, charging a toll on a bridge that was already paid for. They should name the next bridge Coronary Bridge after the people that are making the laws. <laughs> the Coronary Bridge. So, but they're going to do this. They want to add more toll lanes. Now, I like toll roads in some cities. I'm willing to pay for that. But there should be viable options. Most major cities have toll lanes. You know, you drive in Orange County in L.A., you've got to use the toll roads. And well, on the East Coast, I, you get on the pike instead of the freeway. You're paying for everything out yeah. there. But they're yeah. actually using yeah. that money to keep up the roads. Here in California, it's about yeah. control. It's not about the money. Yeah. They want to control every segment of our lives. Oh, I'm going to get to that. That's the fly in the ointment here. So, so they're going to do a sales Oh, tax. fly in the ointment. That's going to be on the menu too, Jim. Sorry. I just can't get yeah. off this people getting yeah, together in Europe and deciding we're all going to eat bugs to save the planet. Well, it tastes a lot like crickets from what I've been told. I thought it all tasted uh, like chicken. <laughs> well, the bugs, bugs have their own version. Oh, okay. You know, I, you know whoever's listening to the show is probably thinking, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> hey, what's wrong with us? Write Sacramento and find out. If not for yeah. Sacramento, we wouldn't be talking about any of this stuff today. We'd have yeah, other yeah. subjects. Well, here's the deal. Road improvements were promised the last time they did one of these, but they refused to keep their promise. This money, which you could pay up until the year 2048, doesn't improve roads. It doesn't fix things or maintain or improve them. Here's the statement from Sandag. Charging fees for the transportation infrastructure people can use can change travel behavior. So what they want to do is build mass transit. Yeah, they want to get us all on the transit system, the buses, yeah, yeah, the yeah. trolleys, all these entities that are always so punctual and getting us to work in places we need to go on time. They want to get us all on that. No control yeah, over your life control. to look at the clock and get where you need to go when you need to get there. Yeah. Well, and the trolley in San Diego, I love it. It's cute. It's quaint. And it even has its own beer named after it. It's cute and fun to watch it pull into the Santee Trolley Center. I don't really feel like getting yeah. on the thing when I know I can get in my car and actually arrive where I want to go at the spot I want to arrive at. Well, there are exceptions. And, and I usually stay I stay in Santee with friends when we're out there. And I went to a Padre game one time, and I hopped the trolley right there in Santee and rode the trolley right down to Petco Park. 
watched the game and went back. And that was very convenient. I agree. That's more convenient than using your car to drive downtown. And I should say, if I lived in New York City, I wouldn't want to drive. Of course, I was about to say, if I lived in New York City, I would get on the subway. But in New York City, you die on the subway. So maybe I shouldn't say that. Oh, oh, I don't know. I, I've ridden the, the subway in New York City. And and I love, in D.C., I ride the metro. I would never drive in D.C. It's there are a few people that have survived the yeah. subway in New York City, and, and you can meet both of them at the Smithsonian Institute, Jim. <laughs> well, that's back in D.C. So what they're going to do, they're, they're going to use $165 billion through all these added taxes and things not to fix the roads, not to maintain the roads or do any of that. It's so that they can build public mass transit. So we're talking about this. Bait and switch is what it really is. Raising taxes, charging money, they're supposed to fix the roads, but then they turn around and they want to build some mass transit projects, which statistically less than 3% of the public uses, okay? That's what's nuts about this. It isn't going to benefit. Uh, but they want, they want all of us to be using it, Jim. They want all well, of us to listen, be using here, it. Yeah, and let's go back. This is the statement, Sandag statement. Charging fees for transportation that people use can change travel behavior. Do you get that? Their agenda is they want to change the citizens' behavior. Is that the role of government? Is that what No, and I'll tell doing? you, it's not the role of the Chinese government or the government in India. They have all these conferences around the world. I know you're talking about San Diego, but I'm talking about the whole mm -hmm. United States of America and the state of California. And these other countries, China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, where Biden goes out there and kisses their behinds begging for oil, they can drill for oil, they can have carbon emissions, and that's not going to affect the planet. Only when it happens oh, okay. in California or San Diego or anywhere. Yeah, else in yeah. the United States of America. So the yeah, very yeah. idea that they could, with a straight face, act as if any of this, let's assume for a moment that they're right about the climate change. That's still an open debate as far as I'm concerned, but let's assume they're right. What they are doing is not going to do anything except make our lives miserable and keep them in control. And they know that. And folks, if you want proof that they know that, they're smart enough to know that China and Russia and India and Saudi Arabia and the other countries are not going to do any of these things. They'll find some prissy little country in Europe that'll go along with it, but the major polluters of the world are not going to go along with it. Sorry, Jim, this, this is just yeah. getting me all no, no, boiled no, no, no. up, but okay. anyway, I'll get off the soapbox. No, I, I was actually going to say there's another law, too, that actually coincides with this, what you're talking about, is that uh, new oil wells are going to be barred now from being open if it's open next to what this says was the law prohibits new oil wells from being located within 3,200 feet of homes, schools, healthcare facilities, or any building can not be open anymore now. So now we're just taking away oil fields that we could we could possibly find here in California and just say, nope, we can't do yeah. that. And plus, it's going to hurt the 2035 bill if we do find that anyway. And that too. sinks California's yeah. economy. Then people that are well-to-do and have good businesses leave California because they can't live that way. That sinks their economy even more. So then they did a tax, a poll tax to exit California. And that is the real mark of a tyranny. You're not allowed to leave. And right now, it's just a tax. Five, ten years from now, it'll probably be against the law to leave the state of California because five or ten years from now, they'll know that every citizen of California wants to leave the state of California. I and they'll have to keep us here by force. And that, that's on the second page of my notes. We're going to get into that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, I'm going to make a vow to shut up for the rest of the program, and I'll probably be true to the vow for at least uh, three and a half minutes, maybe. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, don't make promises you can't keep. That was my New Year's resolution. So here's the problem. You were touching on it there. This tax, and Sandag considers itself a leader and champion of social equity. But these laws punish the lower income brackets because everybody has to pay the same sales tax. Everybody has to pay the toll roads. Everybody has to pay all of these things. These are not based on our person's economy. So the poorest people are the ones that suffer the most. Man, it bugs me that they do stuff like this. So, Well, not everybody will have to pay them. The people passing the laws will get around paying them, mark my words. I know that wasn't three and a half minutes, but I waited a few seconds at least for that. Well, they'll have a special sticker or something. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we're not even we're not even going to talk tonight about the uh, bullet train fiasco. What a disaster that's been. Uh, so these things don't work. But the obvious thing to me, making the obvious obvious to uh, rob a line from Bob Siegel, this is about control, as they said, changing behavior. This isn't about the welfare of the people. It isn't about making transportation better. It isn't even making the air cleaner. It's about control. That seems to be what's going on in government today. And San Diego is a microcosm of what's happening in California. And California is just a reflection. Newsom is just he, he's Biden's evil twin, only he's not senile. Well, he's and crazy. Biden said he wanted to study these special new California taxes so that he could implement them all over the country. Happy oh, days yes. are well, here let's again. Talk, let's talk about, remember the song, Hotel California? You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> That's, they should call it the California... They should call it the Hotel. Roach Motel. Roaches check in, but they don't check out. Except now the Democrats yeah, well, will tell us to eat the roaches inside the motel. They probably taste like crickets. No, no, no. They taste like chicken, Jim. <laughs> Haven't you been paying attention? Chicken. No, I, no, I haven't, I, and I rarely do. Well, actually, so, if they crunch, so, they might taste like chicken in a biscuit instead. That's a good cracker, oh. chicken in a biscuit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you know, Just watch your I shelves, think- folks. It'll be cricket in a biscuit in a couple of months. If you put enough salsa on it. <laughs> I've heard that my whole life for everything I haven't wanted to eat, whether it's vegetable. Oh, if you put it in a cheese dip, if you put a little salt on it, yeah. if you make a sauce. Yeah, no, right. it's grotesque. It looks yeah. like the beginning of a monster movie. I'm not going to eat it. Don't look at it. Now, you have a restaurant there in town, I think. Is the Corvette Diner still in existence? I believe um, so. I know it's downtown. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Cool. Although a lot of them went out of business after COVID. I do yeah, not remember yeah, if that was a fatality or not. Well, the Corvette Diner is owned by the same people that had, used to have Rory's down on Mission Gorge. Anyway, on their menu, they had, at least uh, last time I ever went there, which was pre-COVID, they had a hamburger that had skippy peanut butter on it. And on the little blurb under the on the menu, it says, don't think about it, just order it. <laughs> and so that's, that's my advice, Bob. Don't look at it, don't think about it. Uh, just crunch away. Yeah. Crunch away. <laughs> and then we can all go ice skating because hell will have frozen over. Oh, well, I have a joke about that, too, but I'll leave it out tonight about Texans uh, and hell freezing over. Um, <laughs> okay. So the Democrats in California introduced a bill to impose an annual 1.5% exit tax on anyone with a net worth of $1 billion. I'm exempt from that one. Now, I'm trying uh, to be clear, and Brendan, you might know the answer to this. Some of these bills have not passed yet, correct? No, yeah. And uh, it's actually been proposed at other blue states as well. So New York, Connecticut, yeah. Hawaii, yeah. just to name a few. Oh, yeah. Like those of us that escape yeah. California are going to go move to one of those states. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but those states, people move out of those. And they tried this in 2020, 
and it didn't pass. So they're just they're just kind of shuffling around, changing the wording a little bit, and trying it again. Now, I suspect that Elon Musk moving uh, to Texas had something to do with that. Uh, and he, well, there's a man whose head is set squarely on his shoulders. And unlike other Californians who moved to Texas and then continue to vote in Democratic policies that will implement in Texas the very restrictions that made them leave California, I think Elon Musk does know that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know when you talk about people who have left California to go to Texas, is that excludes present company here on the show tonight. Oh, well, no, you went to Texas knowing why you were going to Texas, but there are a lot of people yeah, from California yeah, yeah. that go oh, yeah. there, yeah. and they're glad to be out yeah. of California, and then they go and they vote yeah. the same nincompoops into office. Yeah, and there are billboards, and there's language, and there are editorials, and people, Texans saying, you know, you left there to come here to get away from there, so don't make here there. That kind of thing. I, I think there's a lot of people that have not made that connection in their brains, Jim. The sparks still well, are not flying into the right cylinders. I think Texas should have an entry tax. <laughs> if you move to oh, Texas, great. So when I finally get out of here, I have to pay an exit tax to California and then an entry tax to Texas. Yeah. The two states are getting more expensive than a Disneyland annual pass. And on that note, we will be right back. Hi. I'm Bob Siegel, here to talk about my latest book, The Many Myths About Ministry. As you know, I'm a Christian apologist, but let me tell you something. In my many years of interactions with skeptics, doubters, and even seekers, I have found that the vast majority of their problems with Christianity stem from previous church experiences. Yes, What's more, many of their concerns are valid and serve as inspiration for this book. While defending the truth of the Bible and the importance of the gospel message, I nevertheless take an honest look at the way Christians interact with each other. From the larger issues of putting our leaders on too high a pedestal, to the unfair judging of the way another person worships, to the unsolicited advice which claims to have been led by the Spirit of God. Of course, and I do believe the Spirit Spirit of God speaks, I do. But a lot of times, Christians are putting words in his mouth. Who are we kidding? My friends, this simple, easy read will strike a chord of familiarity with anyone involved in church life. It's a call to lay aside the unimportant issues that distract us and return to the heart of Christian community. The Many Myths About Ministry by Bob Siegel. Available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. All right. Now, I don't know if we can regroup here. We're, we're talking about the exit tax, and I came up with this idea just on the spur of the moment that Texas should tax billionaires who move to Texas unless, unless they sign an agreement to vote in person, not by ballot. Oh, there's ID an idea. And prove your citizenship. How about that for a, a twist? And they have to and promise so I, to stop being a Democrat. They can be Republican or yeah. Independent, but no more Democrat. Well, yeah, that you know, they could promise that. It'd, it'd be hard to check up on. But you know what I'm saying. You hear what I'm saying. But, uh, we don't really want that stuff here. And I, I did. I moved here. This is crazy. It was 32 years ago this month. I moved in January of 91. And it was just a strange, it was a culture shock. Texas is very different. Very different. Yeah, it's free. That was probably the biggest culture shock. There was freedom there, and it was still a republic. 
Well, if, if, at that time, things hadn't gotten I so bad. I'm being a little bit facetious, but yeah. not much. Yeah, not much. You know, the economy, it was cheaper to buy a house here. But the trade-off is you don't have San Diego weather anywhere in Texas. I mean, we'll get about a, a week of nice weather sometimes in the spring or in the fall, and people will say to me, I wish it was like this every day, and I'll say, move to San Diego, and it's like this every day. When it comes to weather, scenery, mountains, beaches, we win hands down. But how are we going to be able to enjoy those things if we have somebody in Sacramento dictating every second of our schedules and our lives to us? That's the problem. A few years back, you and I had kind of a little debate and exchange, and you were to represent all the the good points of California. I don't remember ever debating as if I was holding California above Texas. I would have have conceded exactly what I just conceded, that we have better weather. And that's it, folks, as Porky Pig would say. You have better Mexican food, too, in my humble opinion. We have better Uh, food. We have better beaches. We have the redwood forest. It doesn't matter if we're going to live like slaves in a kingdom in a dictatorship. That's the psychic connection that Californians need to start making. And many of them are making it. They're called Texans now because they left. Oh, that's funny. Well, uh, you, you are still there so you're a voice crying in the wilderness as it were i am still here but every time a good friend leaves and a very dear friend the very man that just performed our wedding a few years ago he and his family are moving to texas and i hate seeing them go but i can't blame them yeah yeah it's kind of hard to but i i'm totally with you you know don't come out here and start voting to bring your socialism uh, to one of the last three Socialism sounds great in the classroom. It's the people that actually live under socialist governments that are trying to get out and come to America. Talk to anybody who's lived behind the iron country in Europe or anyone who got here from Cuba or Venezuela. You talk to them about the beauties of socialism. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to come up with anything good to say about it. Oh, they go, oh, we have free health care. Yeah, free health care. And the government also decides what kinds of procedures you're allowed to have. So, yeah, Listen, it's, but it's free. I, I, had a converse, I had a conversation a couple of years ago with, with a friend of mine. He's a Canadian, and uh, he's retired now, but he was a, a professor up there. So he's a smart guy. Uh, he was working with us on the wheelchair distributions that I've told you about before. And uh, met him down in Guatemala, and he continued to do trips with us. And we were talking one evening at the end of the day, sitting around, and he was talking about health care. And he said, I hope America never goes the way of Canada. He says, you can't get a good doctor. You can't get an appointment, you know, within reach. And it's just, it's terrible. It's not personal. And and, uh, it was amazing to hear this Canadian, very proud to be a Canadian, but he did not like the health care there. So he was early on talking about the dangers of, of socialized. This was this was before. Uh, I guess it's been a few years because it was it was before uh, Mr. Obama uh, came in with the Obamacare affordable health care. Boy, what a euphemism that was. I just want to say, uh, if you want to keep your doctor, you can keep him. Yeah, I remember hearing him say that, and I thought, oh, that sounds good, sounded good, but it wasn't wasn't the truth, was it? So, no, it was not uh, well, because they did not want to give good health care to everybody. They wanted everybody to have the same snappy health care. Yeah. That snappy spelled with a C-R at the beginning. <laughs> you know, when that was all going on, I was standing in line at a post office. And, and where I lived, one building houses three different zip codes. So they're just understaffed and overworked. 
And so we're standing in this line. People are getting a little grumpy. I said, if you like this service, you're going to love socialized medicine. (laughs) (laughs) By the same quality people that brought you the post office line and other fun government entities. We've been talking almost the whole night about tax. But let's talk about what the Bible has to say. Now, I find it amusing every time I'm teaching or preaching on, on a passage, and it uses the term sinners and tax collectors. <laughs> it's like, nobody's ever liked Because to the ancient Jews of Judea and the Galilee, there yeah. was no difference between the two. Yeah, and, and as you uh, mentioned, they were, you know, it was the Romans who were taxing the people, and they played a poll tax, and uh, and actually, one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, was a tax collector. Imagine that. And another one of his disciples was Simon the Zealot, which was an the underground yeah. organization. Yeah. If those two men had met each other in a different context, Simon the Zealot would have killed Matthew the tax collector. Oh, that shows oh, yeah. how much Jesus was breaking down barriers. Yeah, myself included. And uh, Breaking down gym barriers. Very good, Jim. You know, the first time I visited Skyline Church, uh, where you you teach and and, and attend, and I I was not a believer yet, but I went there, a friend of mine invited me. The man preaching that that evening (laughs) preached the message on breaking down anti-church barriers. (laughs) (laughs) And I went up afterwards, and I put out my hand and introduced myself. I said, my name is Jim Barrier. There you go. We became very, very good friends, and I got very involved in that church after I became a believer. Anyway, sinners and tax collectors. Yeah, and Jesus had a zealot and a tax collector on his team. That would be like having an ultra-liberal and an ultra-conservative and asking them to get along. Uh, I can't imagine what the board meetings were like. So that is a profound thing about the, the nature and character of Jesus and how he dealt with people. But tax collectors were not popular people then any more than they are today. And at one point, the religious people came to Jesus to try to trick him. Remember that? And they said, well, is it lawful for us to pay tax to Caesar? And you remember what Jesus did? Yeah, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God's what is God, because they were trying to trick him. However, and we're not telling you to revolt either, but what Jesus was trying to do and succeeding in doing was keeping the people from having a violent revolution against the Roman Empire because he wanted a peaceful revolution. That does not mean, neither does it justify, that the Romans had a right to levy that tax. And even though you're not going to hear Jim and I say, just don't pay your taxes and lead you toward anarchy, we're not going to say that. But we are still going to call out the evil of the people that are passing these taxes because they have no right to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus didn't mince words when he talked about, you know, calling Herod a fox, etc. So... He, he uh, wasn't justifying wrongdoing, but he also was clarifying that his kingdom was not of this world. He said, bring me a coin, whose image? And it was Caesar's image. He says, so render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's, because that's infinitely more important what belongs to God, which primarily is your soul, and everything in your life should belong to God. So it was just an interesting thing that it was controversial then, and it is controversial today, and And that hasn't changed. Neither has the principle that we should render the things to Caesar and the things to God that are his. Well, now that our governor in California thinks he is Caesar, that should be an even easier scripture to obey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I think you called him one time. (laughs) That's uh, one of many nicknames that we have for him here in the golden state of California. But we have at least a system 
in theory, where we can vote and we can change the laws uh, at this point. Still, we have, you know, there's a lot we've talked about, the political corruption and, and the voter fraud and all that, but, but we can at least, we can write letters and we can peacefully protest and we can do what we are able to try to change things. I told you in this last election, a very good friend of mine got elected to the, the Texas state legislature, and I'm, and I'm so excited about that because he's already leading by example. His freshman year, he's gone in and he's taking a stand and doing things that other representatives are standing up and saying, yeah, I agree, and I stand, I stand with Mark on this issue. So it can be done. Well, that's uh, great, Jim. Do you mind if we swap them out and send your legislator well, to us? We'll send our legislator okay. to you. Just even swap. I, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I would go for No, that. no, where's uh, the equity? Where's the fairness? Where's the sensitivity and tolerance? It's all out here in Texas. <laughs> So, but but I just wanted to kind of bring that thing into perspective. I, I don't know if it's a hobby horse or it's just a, a core value of mine, and that is that we are temporary wanderers, travelers, visitors to this world, and we are part of a greater kingdom. And so don't get so married to the world system. Be a citizen of heaven first. Be a part of the kingdom of God first. And then wherever he puts you, if he puts you in California, if he puts you in Texas, uh, wherever he leads you, then live in obedience and submission to his authority. Because there is a lot. We've talked about it. There's a lot in the scripture about honoring the king and submitting to authority and all of those things. And those are realities. Read Romans 13. There are a lot of different places that address it. I don't advocate violent revolution. I don't advocate as much as some of these people, I, I really do not like them that are in power. I still pray for them. Now, I don't live in California, so I don't feel obligated to have to pray for Newsom, but I have to pray for Joe Biden uh, because the Scripture encourages us to do that. I don't have a big problem praying for the uh, leadership here in Texas. We have a great governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general. They're Christians, and they're outspoken about their faith, and they're very conservative, and I love those guys. But I pray for them. I pray for their protection, and I pray that God will continue to give them wisdom and lead and guide them. So you can be... An American citizen and do it in a Christian way. But and I like what you said about us being citizens of heaven. Just to draw another allegory with Rome in our last minute here. When the Christians of ancient Rome left Rome for heaven, the Romans had an exit tax. Except they called it an yeah. exit tax, as in execution. Mm -hmm. That's how they left Rome and went to heaven. Wow, wow. I don't know that there's anything I can do to add to that. <laughs> well, that was, well that, that's why I that, thought I'd say profound. it at the end of the show, because what could possibly be added? To that? That, I just wonder if profound. there's going to be some guillotine waiting for me when I get out to the parking lot. Mm. All right. Well, although getting out of this parking lot is enough of a trial every week that you should see the system to get out of the parking lot here. All right. Well, anyway, Jim, it's always great having you. We'll have you on again next month, which is coming right up in a matter of days. And this is Bob Siegel, just making the obvious obvious. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.